What's going on, y'all? Episode 14 of Cast a Podcast, and goodness, it feels like a hundred podcasts. I'm like trying to look at the look at the deal and see how many are in the playlist. And I've got 13, and so I'm like, this is number 14. I gotta go back and check, make sure I haven't named five of these things number 13. I haven't. It's only the 14th podcast, but these things are pretty fun. So when I left you off uh, a little longer ago than expected, it was over, you know, it was basically a week ago uh, that I did a Bassmaster Classic recap. Um, what happened, fantasy fishing, some other things and of that sort. Congratulations to Hank Cherry and all that stuff. I said that I was going to do another podcast specifically about all the cool things I got to experience me personally at the Classic, whether it's interactions uh, different work tasks and kind of my sights and sounds from the classics. So basically I, uh, rolled into town Sunday before the classic started. So classic practice for those anglers, for the anglers competing it classic practice goes Friday, Saturday, Sunday, day off Monday, day off Tuesday, Wednesday, final practice day, Thursday day off, media day, and Friday tournament. So, 53 anglers fish, three days, basically a week to five days ahead of time, and then they have one practice day near the vicinity of the event uh, on a Wednesday compared to the tournament starting on Friday. So, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, two days off. Wednesday, final practice day, another day off, then three days of a tournament. So they're finishing up the Bassmaster Classic one week from their first practice session. So it's a different kind of format. So those guys uh, are under a lot of changing conditions, things that they did not see in practice or expect. Springtime weather changes a lot. And so I made it down to Gunnersville on Sunday, final day of their unofficial practice time. Um... And I did so because I had the flu all week prior to that. It was terrible. Uh, Tuesday, I felt like garbage. Wednesday, Thursday, and uh, Friday started to get much better. Saturday, not a hiccup, nothing. Totally felt great. So I said, I have gone four or five days without classic prep. I got to get out of Little Rock I got to get in the truck and go. I've been sitting in the same spot for a couple days in a row, and I I don't want to feel unprepared. I'm not a real nervous person. You could go ask me to do a presentation at the last second in front of 100 people about scissors or staples or whatever. Give me a little bit of info about it if I don't know anything about it, and I feel fine. But this week for the Classic was a little different. I was, I had some nerves, and I was a little worried, um, but here's why. I was asked to do some different kinds of stuff. Friday, day one of the Classic, was asked to, I'm going to go to takeoff, check out the sights and sounds, do a Facebook Live from the water right there at the takeoff after the anglers left. That was the thought. We were going to do that daily, but we were going to test it out for sure on day one and decide if we'd do it day two and day three. But it's an hour and a half from the hotel, so I got to wake up super early, got to do all these different things. So 
before we get to all of those details, I wanted to get down to Gunnersville, to the lake, to the atmosphere, get away from the sickly couch that I've been sitting on for three or four days. And so I had to get out of town, left a day early from what um, normally we would leave. We'd get there normally on Monday. I got there on Sunday. Got to drive around the lake, check out what the lake looked like, see where people launched, and, uh, you know, kind of if any pros were loading up, I got to talk to them and uh, and see, you know, what the deal was there, how their practice went, just some candid conversations just to wrap my head around what they were experiencing so that it helped commentary later when we figured out who we were covering, what was going on. I could say, well... Sunday, it was like this. Wednesday, it was like this. Those kinds of things. So, got to go down to Gunnersville, talk to those pros and whatnot. I'm not a real great busy work person. If you give me a tournament to tackle, I will tackle it and we will do the best and I will have zero gas in the tank at the end of the week because I will give it all I got. But, busy work, it's kind of like, where's it stop? You can just do work, 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 work. And it's just unlimited. It's when you get done with a task, you do another task. But there's no rhyme or reason necessarily other than just to put out content during a time. So that's tough for me to do sometimes. So those media day type deals and whatnot, I used to go to those. Now that my job's a little different, I'm with the broadcast crew. Uh, We're doing rehearsals at the same time of media day. So I don't have as much busy work. A lot of things are, uh, you know, game related. So... When it comes to that, um, I wanted to be as prepared as possible. So I rode around on final practice day with Seth Fighter, got to ride with him, and I chose him because we always, we get the option to choose someone to go with on the final day of practice. And I always like to choose someone that we're going to have on live day one of the event so that I kind of, whatever I might see or learn or hear on Wednesday, that final practice day, I can actually use it on day one of coverage because that person will be on camera for part of the day, some of the day, all of the day, depending on how they do. So I wanted to get some insight and, and fighter um, is somebody that I expected to do well in this event. So I chose him, went out, what was really interesting, he caught two bass, two bass on his final practice day. One was a two and a half pounder or two to two and a half pounder. He didn't even measure it, but he was like, I think that's a keeper. And um, that was really kind of just exploring. He already had a main area that he had confidence in, but he didn't really want to pressure it, so he was looking for other stuff. Well, at about 12.30 or 12.15, he had caught one bass doing other stuff, fishing bridges, fishing pockets. like All of that resulted in one bass. So he's like, hey, I'm going to go, and I've got like a mile-long stretch of of uh, structure that I'm fishing, and that's my juice. Well, I caught him, you know, far at this other end of it, and then I just kind of marked stuff that looked similar or looked good, and then when it stopped looking good, that was where I put my last mark. And so let's just pull up to that last mark and, and kind of just start to fish what looks good, and if it ends up working out, awesome. Well, not five minutes into fishing up to his waypoint. He, we hadn't even got to it. We were, or we might have just gotten to it with his last cast or two. Catches a seven-pounder. And uh, that's a big one. I mean, that's, that's a key fish 
obviously don't want to burn that, but it's not like it's the day before the tournament. It's two days before the tournament. But it's also, I mean, that's a great sign. This is far from his actual spot that he explored and found these fish, and he was just hoping that that whole stretch would be just as productive, and bam, it was, seven pounders. So he was good to go. He's like, let's go. We might fish one or two spots on the way back to the ramp, but we're going to go put it on the trailer. And so he, uh, we head back, and uh, he was confident in his area. If the that was that was all of his marbles were there, so we got to explore that. I got to learn a little bit about Gunnersville, what was going on. Fast forward, we do a little uh, rehearsal deal on Thursday. Thursday was big for me because I got to go to the arena for one of my new tasks for the classic, and then I got to also go to the expo where our live set is to check out the setup there and whatnot. So I uh. Made it to the rehearsal, knocked it out, went to the went to the arena, and I will get into exactly what I got to do at the arena there. If you follow me on social media, other places you probably have seen and, and heard, but it was just something new and different. Um, I'm all about give me a new task and I'll try to knock it out. Like I said earlier, I'll do a speech on anything. I'll try to do any kind of work. Um, just give me a little bit of idea of what you're looking for and I'll try to execute on it. So day one comes around for the tournament. I wake up at 3.30, 3.45 or something, and uh, I head to the lake. So I got Ricky, uh, camera op with me. He lives in Little Rock as well. Went, went to the Classic for us. He works the Classic. He'll work some other events occasionally here and there. Good guy and uh, young guy. So we rode in the truck all the way to the lake. We get there at about 5.30 well early enough. Uh, takeoff wasn't till seven, but I wanted to make sure we got there. A lot of things can happen at five in the morning. I want to make sure we got there at least. I'd rather wait around than be rushing. So we got there and got to see some faces um, of some fans that I had never met in person before. That was fantastic. Just some of those guys that, that are always commenting and showing love on social media for Bassmaster Live and for myself. Got to meet them. Rusty, uh, if you if you see Bassmaster on Facebook, Rusty Harper's probably sharing it or liking it, commenting on it. And uh, so that was cool to meet Rusty. Also met a guy named Mike, I believe, um, from Indiana. And uh, a couple people from Takeoff. It was just really cool. I, it's 5.30, it's dark, and you got people who are like, you're Ronnie Moore. And I'm like dude, that's so nuts. Like, don't act weird, dude. Don't act weird. I'm just running. I'm just, I'm just a kid. Like I'm just a guy. Don't act weird. Um, and we just sit there and have regular conversations, just some good fishing talk. And, uh, it's pretty cool to just see, to just, to just feel that. Cause I don't, I don't get photos. I don't get autographs or, you know, I don't do that stuff. I work with people who do that stuff, but I don't do that stuff yet because I'm obviously, uh, pretty young in the game and people I'm not nearly as recognizable and I haven't gotten to that level plan is fact I haven't got to that level where my autograph is even worth anything or a photo with me even matters to people so um, I haven't got to that level yet so when people do want to take a photo or they want to do this or that it's super awesome to me humbling and so in meeting those people seeing the takeoff I mean it's hard to get a gauge of how many people just 
you don't want to throw a wrong number out there, but I mean, there was a couple hundred people there. If not, uh, once the full capacity of the crowd arrived at takeoff, there could have been a thousand people there. Um, I don't know the exact count, but just from the dock, looking back at the bank, the whole bank was lined with people 20 rows deep, you know, 50 people per row. And, um, at least, and it just was this whole Civitan Park was taken over. So I got to experience that. That was super cool to see the anglers. A lot of guys fishing their first ever classic. And they're accomplishing a lifelong dream. And I got to give them a hug and fist bump them and tell them I was proud of them for accomplishing a dream. Because I get to live a dream every single day that I work um, with Bassmaster and JM doing broadcasting and those things. This is what I've wanted to do. And so to have that opportunity is a dream come true for me as well. So for them to accomplish a dream, whether they're 40, 32, 26, whatever they are, uh, it's awesome to see someone accomplish a lifelong dream. So that was cool. And um, takeoff happened. It was so windy. I don't know if people can tell from Bassmaster Live or whatever. It was blowing at takeoff. Like it was gusting and gassing into Civitan Park, 15, 20 miles an hour. And the waves, I mean, the dock was rocking. Um, the dock was a pole dock. So the main part of the T-dock was stable, but there was a floating part connected. And that floating part, waves were coming over it. It was pretty intense. And it made takeoff a little tricky for guys who were not, you know, this is the we did the mock takeoff on Wednesday, but this is all basically still new um, every single classic day one takeoffs always new to everyone there and um and so they got to go through the experience experience of that so takeoff was good got to just do the hit the hit worked out i was worried about service because of how many phones and people were there so that all worked well get back rush back an hour and a half as fast as you can make it back i mean it still takes an hour and 20 minutes even if you're speeding or something it's not it's not like you can really cut that distance off too much more and so um you get back to gunnersville or you get back to birmingham from gunnersville you do uh, i head to bassmaster live and uh, i go assume my spot and uh jump into the action i got to watch live on the phone um you know, the whole morning on the drive back just to keep up with what was going on so I wasn't blind coming into the show. So that was good. Got to see it as a fan's perspective watching live, and that's always good to just sit back and watch what you do and see where you could be better. So that was cool. And then uh, when live basically was, you know, done after six hours of live, you had a Facebook Live midday report in there with me and Such, Such and I, we jump off of live. I left an hour early each day or 45 minutes early each day from when we would end live because I had to make it to the arena. So the arena is sacred ground to me. As a fan of bass fishing, it's pretty cool. I'm kind of, uh, I'll honestly say that tears well up in my eyes every time I think about a Bassmaster Classic arena because I know what goes down there, fans watching, experiencing that. And uh, the anglers pulling into the arena. It's all so cool. So I I think the arena is sacred. I think the weigh-in is sacred. No matter how long it takes, it's, uh, it's what we're there for. I'm not in a rush to run to dinner. To be honest, it's three days of my life. If I don't eat as good as I should those three days or if I don't have as much free time, it's what it is. Um, 
So I enjoy that whole process. Uh, It is a big ordeal though. But with the anglers checking in at 3 o'clock, heading back from the lake, that means first fish isn't going to be getting to the to the arena until 4.45 to 5 o'clock. So we have a pre-show that kind of gets the fans ready. The doors open at 3.15, 3 o'clock, 3.15 for the fans to come in. And um, we have a pre-show. It's got some uh, Super Retriever dog series stuff. There's some dog jumps into a pool. If you've been to a classic, you see that. Got some different interviews, some activations, some some trivia games, some sponsor swag tosses, all kinds of stuff like that. But if you think about it, who hosts those things other than possibly Dave Mercer? Like who else would lead that? So this year I was asked to lead uh, a couple different portions in that. Some of them didn't need to be led. They're just music-based, and uh, whoever specifically doing the activation can be on the microphone. Don Day is there. He's the safety net. Side note, Don Day is, like, also up there on a shelf for me uh, when it comes to people in the fishing. I've never – I don't even know what Don Day looks like prior to this year. never knew what Don Day looked like, but you can 100% be sure I, I knew what Don Day sounded like. I could tell you his voice anywhere because all I'd hear from Dave Mercer growing up is, Don Day, who's next? Well, from Benton, Arkansas, Stetson Blaylock. I would know that Don Day, I would know Don Day's voice, which, by the way, if he ever somehow even listened to this, I'm sorry for butchering that. I am not uh, a great impersonator. But Don Day would always be the guy who announced the angler and where they're from as they pull through the curtain into the arena. And so as a kid, I just, Don Day, Don Day. Who is this Don Day? Because he doesn't work with us all the all year, just the classic. So I got to meet Don Day. I got to throw something over to Don Day, and I had like a little groupie giggles going on over here. I'm like, I just, I just pitched something to Don Day for him to take over. How cool was that? So I was like a little kid in the candy store um, doing some of those things because it was like my lifelong heroes and guys I grew up listening to I got to work with. So super awesome to do the arena deal. But man, I'm going to be real with y'all over the next few minutes. If you're listening in, I was pretty scared. Thursday night, the day before the Classic, I am in my hotel room laying in bed, sitting upright in bed editing a video with tears in my eyes because I was worried that all of these new tasks being assigned to me, I was going to be late to take off. I wasn't going to be able to do the hit. I wasn't going to be able to do this. I was going to get nervous and butcher the arena stuff. I was going to mess up and do this. I was actually really dang nervous. Fear kind of came in to uh, Ronnie Moore and had me pretty worried uh, that I wasn't going to be good enough, that I was going to be inadequate. And uh, frankly, I was losing. I was balling. So my wife, like she does, um, put on some music, and she went and did her thing, got ready for the evening, took a shower and all that stuff, and I just sat there upset but I was listening to songs that we enjoy listening to some of my favorites she pulled up and just had them on a playlist I guess 
And so I got to listen to those. And I mean, God just provides when you have no idea that you need it. He knows you need it. And the way it works, you know, I, you know, it's just tears, crying, whatever, trying to get myself under control because for some reason I'm losing it and I am not used to losing it over being nervous or fearful. Normally I'm always like, it'll be what it'll be. Uh, I'm just going to give it my best effort. And that's the same way I took into this one. But the 50th Bassmaster Classic is, is up there. It's uh, something as a kid, a lifelong dream to work for Bassmaster for one, but then to be able to do what I love to do and to tell that story, it's freaking surreal. It's surreal. So you don't want to be the one that messes that up. You don't want to be the one that doesn't do his job and run the football like Zona would say that you you fumble the football or you don't you don't run the football adequately and uh, you don't ever want to be that guy. So I was uh, I was worried, but God gives you exactly what you need when you need it, and uh, even if you don't know you need it. So a song came on and. Uh, I'm losing it in my mind right now. I can't I can't recite what the name of the song is or or some lyrics to it, but a song came on and talked about like uh, just the weight of the world on your chest, that fear and anxiety creeping in. Um, but knowing knowing who is in control of it all and who has you where where you're supposed to be is it's a song basically like that and it just it just hit me like this is exactly what this is exactly what the song is talking about like fear is trying to cripple me and and make it make it difficult for me to just breathe and do my do my job so that was tough but listen to that song just hands raised crying the tears that i needed to cry it had been an emotional you know week or two i'd been sick which I had felt unprepared because I didn't get to go to work and then uh, heading to the classic and the classic is just a monster in itself. And so I just didn't want to be unprepared. I didn't want to be inadequate. So I was uh, giving it over to God, letting him uh, control, you know, what, what I, what I was going to do. You know, I was going to praise him praise him when I, when I did well and praise him when I struggled. And so dealing with that, uh, put it all in perspective. As soon as I got to the takeoff, I was zoned in focused. Everything went well, go to the arena. Everything goes well, get to, uh, or go to bass live in the expo. Everything goes well, head over to the arena. I don't, I don't know dog competitions. I don't know super V. I don't know long jump. Like, I don't know how normal people do this. And, and to throw another kicker in there, probably a reason that I did get upset was that the guy who was supposed to be kind of tag teaming and helping me with the, uh, the dog portion of the, of the event got the flu that week. So he wasn't there. And so it was just me. And so I was, uh, I needed to hear that song. I needed, I needed my wife there. People always wonder like, why does your wife go to the classic or, or whatever? Well, you know, most of the time. She doesn't go to most events if I if I travel to them, but for the classic, it's always special, and she wants to be there. So she hasn't missed one since we've been married, 
and uh, been there beside me. So uh, I'm not even I'm not too scared at all to say like that I cried, that I got upset. That's a real thing. There's a stage fright deal. There's a worry, anxiety, fear, and I don't normally deal with that. Like I don't get anxious. I don't do that stuff. It's all good. What it'll be is what it'll be. As long as I give it my best effort with the right attitude, it's it'll all work out. Well, I didn't. I wasn't listening to my own deal. So uh, I was a balling mess. My eyes were so dang tired as well when I went to bed because they were so puffy and whatnot. So that you could tell how that night's sleep probably went. wasn't the best, but we did get some rest and made it work. So day two, day three, I'm over here like a seasoned vet, not worried. It'll all be good. Yeah, I did it yesterday. As long as I can do something, if I can do a task once, I'm unafraid of doing it again. Like as long as it didn't, <laughs> I didn't botch it the first time, I'll be good with it the second time. And so I was totally prepared the second time, uh, ready to go. And, uh, you know, the whole week worked out the way it was supposed to. It was awesome. I got to help with a marriage proposal, uh, a surprise marriage proposal between Justin and Rebecca. That was super cool. Um, I know what it was like and how nervous I was when I proposed to Sarah. And uh, so to be able to be right there, intimate, close to another couple that proposes and help uh, execute on that, that was pretty cool. And uh, I'm honored that I was able to pull it off and whatnot and, and help with my portion of it. And congratulations to them for getting engaged. And then we, uh, I got to interview just some of the coolest people in the world. Like, I got to interview two military veterans that love bass fishing uh, and, and are trying to help veterans and get employment, uh, help them get back into the society, all that stuff. And that was Dakota Meyer and uh, Greg Stubbe. Awesome guys. Um, <laughs> humbled to be on stage with a mic interviewing two military vets that have sacrificed about as much as you can sacrifice on this earth for another human being um, so that I can talk about bass fishing for a living. Like that blows my mind that they think that our job is cool when I'm over here. Like I wouldn't be able to do our job. Bass fishing for a sport wouldn't be a thing if it wasn't for you guys fighting for our freedom and protecting our nation every single day. So if you're a veteran of any military branch, I, I appreciate you a lot. Uh, it's something uh, that's necessary, something that I would probably do if I had to. Um, but it takes a special person to voluntarily go and serve your country. So I'm super humbled in the presence of a military veterans. So to interview them on the Bassmaster Classic stage, for one... That's an that's so cool walking from behind the jumbotron and seeing the lights, seeing fans clapping for these for these guys. Super awesome, and uh, thankful that that was something included in my deal this week. Um, and then I got to interview Clay Dyer. If anybody knows who Clay Dyer is in bass fishing, he was born without any legs, does not have a left arm. Um, and he has basically what what we would imagine as down to your elbow um, or a little bit short of that on his right arm. And that is what he uses to cast a rod, hook a fish, reel. Like he just – he does it all, man. 
and it blows my mind uh, how he can catch a fish, how he can drive a boat, how he can drive a truck. Um, he's been a hero. He's been a hero of mine for a long time. So uh, to get to interview him and we both hand over a humanitarian award to another guy, um, Chris Rambo, done a lot for Kiss, Cast for Kids and uh, and those different programs that help get kids fishing. To be able to talk to Clay Dyer, so I met him when I was like 11 or 12 at a church wild game dinner. He came and he was the guest speaker. I got to listen to Clay and his whole if if I can, you can mentality of if I can go out there and do something or if I can go and do this, then you can go and do it. And instilling confidence in others to go and push their limits and test their test their abilities and whatnot. Super cool seeing that as a kid. Never thought. I said it to him on stage. So cool. Uh, he probably thought he would never be able to go and and be on the classic stage for any reason. He'd love to be there as an angler weighing in uh, the classic. And he has a shot fishing the Bassmaster Opens. If he wins one, um, he will make the classic. So to see him on the classic stage and what that meant to a grown man, somebody who's lived through bass fishing of the TNN days and the ESPN days and the, all of that stuff, for someone that's been in this game for a while, for a long time, to not let anything stop him, for him to get emotional backstage that he's going to go up on the Bassmaster Classic stage, don't worry, that'll get you emotional. You can be the toughest guy on the block. When you see that man get upset because he means something to him, you're going to get upset because it all of a sudden means something to you. It's an honor. So for me to walk out on that stage and be able to interview him, super cool. I said it on stage. I said, did you think that 15 years ago there was going to be a boy in the crowd of one of your your motivational speeches at a wild game dinner? Do you think an 11 or 12-year-old boy in the crowd that night would be interviewing you on the classic stage? Because I didn't. Sorry. And that's freaking cool. That's so cool to uh, have lives, you know, collide like that and dreams come true at the same time just working hard doing what you're doing so i got a a couple new tasks last uh at the classic and um and it went great put it in god's hands thursday night in bed in tears and uh was tired throughout the whole week but we all are but the passion kept pushing through the enjoyment the excitement and, uh, man, it was just so much fun. Just so much fun. If it ever isn't fun for me, I'm done. I know that people say that about bass fishing all the time, but like, if I don't ever get amazed at the Bassmaster Classic, I need someone to check me and not just like see if I'm alive, check my pulse, like check me, like knock me down a notch or two because there's no angler in the world. There's no nothing, no tournament organization, no angler, no sponsor, no person, no commentator, no staff member, no fan, no no anybody or anything in bass fishing is better than the Bassmaster Classic. It is amazing how how many people show up from where they show up. I mean, I, I met a kid named Carson. 
uh, he was walking around with Brad from Yamaha and I met him and he's just a fishing fool, just a, just a kid that loves bass fishing. And when I say kid, I mean, he's just, he's just a young kid lives down at Lake Talquin near Drew Cook and all them panhandle of Florida. And he went live on Instagram and like, I, I popped up because I saw it, you know, the notification or I just saw it on the header where the stories are and I click on it and he's like, you know, it pops up and says Ronnie Moore Bass is watching and he's like, oh my, oh my gosh. Hey, hey, Mr. Ronnie Moore Bass, you're, oh, man, I had so much fun at the classic. It was so fun meeting you and meeting Zona and meeting those guys. Like it was just, thank you for talking to me, man. I I just had, and he was just going on and on and I didn't even say anything. I just popped in and said I was watching. That's the stuff. That's the stuff. Because uh, I was, I've been on that other end, like seeing Zona, seeing Tommy for the first time at a at a uh, Birmingham Classic, uh, and they were doing the hooked up stage, the post, the post uh, evening wrap up for ESPN two when it used to go live to ESPN um, that night. I got to stand there at the gates and tell my dad that's Tommy that's Zona that oh my gosh that's those are actually I said Mr. Mark and Mr. Tommy and I haven't called Mark I haven't called Zona Mark ever since then he's, he's Zona uh but to see me as a kid look up to my heroes and admire them and then to work hard and to make it to where I'm working side by side with them and then to see other young kids come in and get excited to see me That'll make you work hard every day because I know I got thousands of people that want my job. They want to do what I'm doing and it's a blessing. So I didn't think I'd get as upset over the last 15 minutes as I have with all those different things, but they mean that much to me. Super cool. So don't ever let, if you're a guy listening, don't ever let anybody tell you it's not cool to cry. Crying shows passion. Crying shows care. It shows that you you care about something and you're passionate and that it's a part of who you are. You know, we cry when we lose people. I'm not comparing what I do for a living as important as when someone uh when someone passes away, but we cry at funerals because those people who passed away mean something to us. We cry when we see babies get born because that baby means something to us. When you do something in life that makes you cry, that's an indication that it means something to you. So, super cool week, super fun week. I'm glad I got. I'm glad I decided to do this podcast. I was. I said I was going to do it, and then I decided it wasn't a big deal. Blah blah blah. People aren't going to listen to it. Lowest rated podcast that I've done probably. Blah blah blah. But I did it, and uh, if you if you're still listening. That's the takeaway. Find something that you love. Figure out how to do it. And once you start doing it, never stop doing it. And don't ever give half effort. Give it your all every single time you have a chance to do it because you might not be able to do it tomorrow. You might not be able to do it the next day. Give it your all and uh, your life will be fulfilled. Whether you make 100000 40000 27000 doesn't matter what it is. If you love it, and you get the opportunity to do it, have some respect for it because it's humbling to be where you are. So that's what I'm going to leave, leave y'all with. Um, 
God, God is so good. Life is good. And uh, I appreciate all y'all. I appreciate every single person that watches Bassmaster, that listens to the podcast, that sends me a DM, that bothers me. They think they they think they're bothering me. I appreciate y'all because I'm just a kid from North Carolina that uh, just followed a rabbit hole and put my foot in an open door and didn't let it shut. And uh, who would have thought that Bass Track Boy all these years ago would be able to sit at a desk and commentate bass fishing? And be on the stage at the classic and commentate and broadcast an interview. It's freaking cool. So, love all y'all.